every now and again, someone will ask you a really simple question, but it comes at just the right moment or from just the right person, and you realize you don't have a good answer for a question that you would have sworn you knew the answer to just 30 seconds before. Well, that happened to me recently with my friend and colleague Aaron Cerrone when he asked me how I use prayer in marriage counseling. Today, our podcast has the privilege of capturing what kind of thinking Aaron has been doing in marriage counseling for the past couple of years and why a simple question about prayer is significantly altering the way he helps people in the midst of conflict in marriage. You're listening to CCEF On The Go, a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Here at CCEF, we are committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. My name is Alistair Groves. I'm your host today on CCF On The Go. I'm a faculty member here at CCEF. And today I'm talking with my friend Aaron Cerrone, also a faculty member at CCEF and the director of CCEF Montana. Aaron, good to be here with you today. How are you? Thanks, Alistair. It's great to be here as well. Doing well. Glad to have this conversation with you and excited to see where it goes, what ground we cover. Me too. And uh, we should... Uh, say right away to to our listeners, um, this was a conversation that I really wanted to have more because we started the conversation oh, probably what two months ago now, yeah. just a brief ten minute window, and, and you got you got a lot of juices flung for me, and it's had a significant impact on my counseling since since we talked. And the uh, the jumping off point uh, was your question to me when you said, "Hey, Alistair, how do you how do you pray in marriage counseling?" And I said, "Uh." Uh, at the beginning of the session and usually at the end if we're all still in the room together. Um, and, and you went on to share some thoughts that you've been having. And I wonder if you would start actually just by refreshing my memory. Um, what is it that's been striking you there? Uh, particular scriptures that are pushing you and thinking about this? Just give me the, give me the seed thought and then I want to interact some more. Right. Um, the seed thought came as I was studying through the book of Philippians. And um, I get to chapter 4 where Paul starts to address Yodi and Syntyche and their conflict that they have together in the church in Philippi. And um, I, I'm reading through what, how Paul is, is addressing them. And right after he talks to Yodi and Syntyche, he goes through passages that are super familiar to us that you and I can quote, that most of the people listening to this podcast can quote. And... Um, as I started to read those verses in the context of conflict, in the context of the relationship between Yodi and Syntyche and this partner in the gospel, this, this yoke fellow, um, that Paul is encouraging and, and admonishing to, to walk with these two women who are in conflict, I started to understand the passage, the, the rejoicing, the, the um, do everything... Um, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, the mm-hmm. um, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, you know, all these things, whatever is true, noble, right. Yeah. Um, I started to read that in the context of two individuals in the church that are in conflict. And part of what Paul says is he says, um, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. And I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at that, reading in the context of conflict, and I... I said, well, wait a minute. Now, Paul prayed earlier in the book of Philippians, 
And so I turn back a few pages and, and, and I read that and I see the very things that Paul is asking Yodi and Syntyche and this yoke fellow to do, hmm. he's done. And, 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 I, and, I, and I started to notice that. I thought, wow. And I look at it in Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, I look at Ephesians, and in much of Paul's writings, his main methodology um, is to do and to relate to the people he's writing to um, in the same way that he's asking them to do it. Whatever problem he's addressing, whatever issue he's facing. And one of the things that he does is he, he shares his prayer. He doesn't hide his prayer for them. He doesn't just cut to the chase and say, well, here's what I need you to know. He actually lays out before God, oftentimes in his letters, mm. the main thing he wants to tell the people he's writing to, which is really interesting. Um, and uh, you see it, in, in, like I said, in many of his books. And, and he, in the end of Philippians, in, in chapter 4, you see him asking them, to pray with and for each other, and to do so with rejoicing. Oh my! Well, Paul's been rejoicing all through Philippians for very specific reasons, and with thanksgiving, and to you know whatever is true, noble, right, um, pure, lovely. You know um, all these things. Whatever is praiseworthy, give thanks for those. Set your mind on those things, and you see him um, asking them to pray. Um, together in the midst of a conflict. And I started just to think, boy, I typically don't have couples that I'm counseling pray together. Typically, I'm the one praying at the start and at the finish of our time together. And I thought, oh, it just makes so much sense. Um, The very direction, the very things we're doing in counseling, in marriage counseling, fit so naturally or culminate so naturally, consummate themselves in prayer and going to our Heavenly Father, right? We've been opening our hearts together. We've been sharing um, humbly, honestly, meekly with each other. We're caring. We're turning in compassion. We're, we're doing love. And, and now we're turning to our Father and, and, um, and praying for each other, praying, you know, with confession, of failure, praying, giving thanks for each other. All the things that Paul's doing in Philippians 4, we're doing together. And I thought, why haven't I been doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, in all the years that I've been doing marriage counseling, uh, it just seems so basic. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why you haven't been doing it. And same reason I haven't been doing it, which is that it's, it's a terrifying thing to do, uh, to hand over the reins uh, to say, hey, would you, would you pray for this person you're in conflict with that feels like a recipe for disaster, right? You know, mm-hmm. dear Lord, please help my wife stop being such a jerk to me and stop nagging me. Amen. You know, like that would, that would be noble. That would be pure and right. Make her so, right? So that's, that's the, I think instinctively, that's what I'm dreading. That's why I don't, I don't want to, uh, don't want to go there. I'm afraid they'll demoralize each other. I'm afraid that they will. Use uh, it as an opportunity, it a, right? It becomes a proxy fight. A, a few you know? more digs in, right? Right, exactly. Which, uh, which, which is a, temptation as a counselor sometimes you know it's, it's i mean anyone that's who's right. ever been in a ministry context the temptation is to pray in a way that's really more of a sermon to the person who has no choice but to sit there quietly and listen while you that's right and we know i mean how many times have we um 
<laughs> heard someone else do that in a ministry contact and you're thinking like, hey, if you're going to say something, just say it, <laughs> right. but don't pray it, you know, um, pray, actually have a t-shirt, say it, don't pray it, right, <laughs> but, but don't have, you know, a conversation with God that really isn't a conversation with God, right, right. be um, sincere in your words to the Lord, that's right, and, 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 and obviously we're modeling um, an honest, humble conversation with our Heavenly Father before them in, in, um, in a desire that they would see, wow, the, you know, the Lord is here. He is listening. He will move his hand, you know, and in, to comp- in a compassionate way. And so. So, so how are you doing this? How are you putting this into effect? I mean, this is, this is where we, you sort of left me on a cliffhanger in our, our first time talking about it, uh, sort of saying, you know, I, I, I don't even remember all you said, but you, you, you've begun to think about how to help people do this oh, yeah. well and fruitfully. How are you doing this? Well, the key, marriage counseling is very directive. If, if you're more of a passive counselor, you're going to get eaten alive, right? And, and you won't, uh, there's maybe 10% of couples where you're going to actually be helpful to them. And so you, in marriage counseling, you have to be very directive. You are in the, the counseling chair, the director's chair. And from the, if they're both Christians, um, and you, you find that out in the first, you know, 15 minutes of your conversation together, then um, towards the end of the first initial time that we sit down together, I'm already painting a vision for, hey guys, here's where we're headed. A goal of every session is going to be to get to a place where each of you can not only give thanks for each other for something genuine, something specific that you've heard, preferably over the last hour or so together, that you can give thanks to God for, and um, possibly confess some, some kind of wrong, some kind of weakness, to ask for help for yourself or for you as a couple, and also, most sweetly, for you to have listened well enough to know how to pray, how to intercede for your wife or for your husband in a way that is tender, in a way that you're fighting for and advocating for your spouse. Um, so from the very, you know, the last 15 minutes, let's say, of that first meeting together, I'm already painting a vision for this is important um, and we're going to um, this is the whole movement of our conversation together is to do those very things, right? That makes for a good session, a, a, a very gracious session when, when you're able to give thanks for each other, when you're, and it's genuine, when you're able to confess some kind of failure and when you're able to lift up one another wholeheartedly, genuinely. Um, and so that's, None of them come to counseling with that goal, right? I mean, everyone, not everyone so, but frequently sure. you'll have a couple where, um, you know, let's say the, the, the wife says, you know, I've wanted to do devotions together or pray together or even go to church together um, for 25 years and it's never happened and I've given up hope. And that somehow becomes one of her stated goals for counseling. But I really take it out of the, the broader goals for the um, bigger direction that we're heading and make it a, um, an, a session-by-session goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I paint that vision right up front. 
And you can imagine some of the pushback, right? Some of the, the questions or concerns or anxieties that come up. Um, but I have found that I have never had a situation yet. I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but I have never had a situation yet where a spouse says, no, I won't do that. Mm. I can't do that. Typically it's, well, the, 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 the less and the more intimidated spouse, the more shy, more quiet, introverted spouse might say, well, I don't know what to say, or we've never done this before. And at that point, I just say, hey, um, that's all right. Well, what we're going to do is A, B, C, and D. Just pick one. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's, it's an honest conversation. We've been talking this last, you know, 50 minutes. You know, let's turn to our father and ask him for help. And so, um, but... And, and, and even in those situations where a person is not used to praying out loud, maybe has never prayed out loud, it can be very powerful, very moving for them, for their spouse. Um, and it's been some of the most um, gratifying parts of our conversation together. And so your ABCD are, um, hey, look, I want you to pray something you are thankful for in the last hour. I That's want it. you to confess something in your own weakness slash sin uh, I want you to ask for help on something are those the three main well I give them those three or four or five different categories okay, the, so my rule of thumb is we always give thanks this is what Paul says in Philippians 1 he says in as much as I remember you I give thanks for you right, right? and so it's like and then he, he tells Yodians and Tiki you know prayer with thanksgiving and then remember all these praiseworthy and excellent things Right, he's, it's like that so. You sort of take verse eight, and 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 you're taking that into the context of this Absolutely. specific conflict. You're not Absolutely. just saying, not just pray for something noble and true. And isn't it lovely that there are beautiful That's oak right. trees, you know, right. in the fall? It's, That's the problem. You read that passage, and it's like these abstractions, and it's like, okay, Lord, what, what, what is noble? I, what is praiseworthy? Okay, I have to conjure uh, up, you know, what's yeah, what's good. Sir and Lancelot you, is noble, uh, right? Yeah. You know, or, or also you put it in the context of anxiety and say, okay, the antidote to anxiety, one antidote is um, thanksgiving. And so, you know, you hear different pastors and, you know, sure. exposit it in that light. Sure. And um, I think Which you need to... Which is fair. It's fair. But if you back it up and put it in the context of conflict, you just think about it. When you're in conflict with somebody, what is the, what is the natural direction that your mind goes in? It's in confessing their sins. You, 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 you see them in the worst light. Right, you you mount these arguments. You become their accuser. You become you are looking for whatever is not noble, whatever is impure, you whatever backs up your look. case. You don't even look. Right. It just bubbles up within you, right? And and if you take this in the context of conflict, mm-hmm. you all of a sudden see that that very movement is the exact opposite movement. Mm-hmm. And when you actually do that, just try that. Like when you're in a, a conflict with your wife or, or, or with a coworker or somebody. I never am, but I, I, uh, I, right. I, hypothetically, I take yeah, a yeah. point. Right, yes. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a, when you do that, it actually transforms your heart. Now, you're going to have to do it again in five minutes, depending on how bad the conflict is, or in an hour or two. Or, But if you're genuinely devoted to praying and giving thanks, right? And what Paul does in Philippians 1, he says, um, I give thanks to you because you're partners. I rejoice because you're a partner in this ministry, in this gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, even if it's just that, where you're in a conflict with somebody and, and they're believers, you can say, Lord, thank you. This person, my, you know, 
let's say, uh, my neighbor knows you, has been saved by you. And we're in this together because of you, because of what you've done. I mean, and Lord, thank you that I can call this neighbor a sister or a brother. That you, we have this in common. I mean, just the most rudimentary but honest and genuine gratitude that we can give. And it, it, it changes our feelings, our emotions, our resentment, and actually cleanses the, you know, the thoughts of our heart. So when you read that, yeah, that passage in light of a conflict, everything seems to, to make sense. I, I was, um, there's a, a theologian that um, is very familiar to most of us these days, um, and in a private conversation, um, he said, I have never seen this written, but my opinion is that, um, that Paul is actually, the entire book of Philippians is actually written to address the conflict between Yodians and Tiki. Hmm. And all the first three chapters and the, you know, the, the, the rest of four really are aiming towards that goal. It wasn't a conversation I had. It was a conversation a friend had huh. with this um, theologian. And, and, I, and I said, oh my goodness, um, everything comes into focus for me, um, if that's the case, if that's true. So whether or not that's true, everything else that everyone else has said is still very, very helpful. But like, so the, the, where you were going with it, what's the rule of thumb? And that's one rule of thumb is you, we must give thanks in the midst of conflict with someone for things that are genuine. Um, so that, that happens. About the other person, though, right? I mean, it's, That's not, right. it's not just That's right. giving thanks for specific things, but specifically this, mm-hmm. he, this person with whom I have this conflict, I yeah. must be able to give thanks for them. That's I, right. I can't stop till I... And what you'll see is couples will start more generally and say, you know, I thank you for my husband because he's a hard worker and he provides well for our family. Um, but I keep pointing them to, um, can you take something out of the last hour of conversation, right? That's when it really gets sweet is when they're doing that. So that's the number one rule. And then depending on the conversation that we've had, I will point them to one of those other three or four things and say, well, why don't you take this up? And why don't you take this up? And, um, and if a couple is really, you know, towards the end of counseling, um, or just much more mature and, um, takes more initiative. I, I don't need to give them much direction. They they already know what they're going to pray and they're going to run. Yeah. Huh. Um, you know, just one one thing. This is sparking for me in thinking about the book of Philippians is probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. And different versions translate it slightly differently, but it's Philippians one nine. Where, where Paul says, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, or knowledge and discernment. Right. And goes on to talk about how that it, that it produces this fruit of righteousness in Christ that is to his glory. And just thinking about the cycle of when you love someone or something, you do not have to be told to gain knowledge about it. You know, the guy who's really into the Eagles, just he doesn't have to think about whether or not he's going to read the article the next morning after the game. He, he watches the game. He's dissecting the quarterback's footwork. It's just you're, you're there. You're with it or, or music or cooking or art or whatever your, whatever your thing is. If, where there's love, there is this instinctive drive to gain knowledge about something. And then the more knowledge you gain about someone, the better you are able to love them. If to love is to serve and and to be committed to and to have fondness toward, the more you know, the more effectively, the more 
specifically and in, in a more personally tailored way, you will love that person. And so what you're doing is you're saying um, the, the knowledge we have of the other is getting warped in our sin in the midst of conflict. Conflict that is driving people apart is you're actually, you're, you're zooming in on one piece of this person and you're blowing it up to become the whole thing of who they are. You're, you're taking their sin as their identity uh, rather than the grace of the gospel, which is where we stand in Christ. And, and, and I'm just making the connection of what, what you're saying here is that there's something about praying for another person with thanksgiving, humility, confession, uh, request for help to love them better that just absolutely cuts against the grain of conflict and cuts toward knowing and loving another person. And I, I'm, I'm seeing how uh, Philippians, whether, whether or not that particular conflict right. is in view, certainly the whole book is written to a church which is going to have some natural conflicts between, you know, Lydia, this God-fearer over many years, and a Roman jailer who was about to commit suicide and came to, to faith, and then the slave girl in the marketplace whose demon is driven out and becomes worthless to her former owners, you know, just, uh, or, well, potentially even then continue owners, who knows. But, um, yeah, what a strange... What a strange and motley crew they were, uh, even if we don't get the backstory on Yodia and Sintiki. So, let me just add one thing to what you're saying is you've hit, hit both sides of the coin that we, as we love someone, you could say know, getting to know them, getting to understand, driving towards really seeing them is a form of love, is loving, right? In a Christ-like way. And the reverse is true also. The more... I know I'm someone. The whole purpose of our knowledge, our, our intimate knowledge of someone in the kingdom of God is that we might love them, that that knowledge would lead to loving them. And I can't think of a, a, a couple that I've counseled where when they start counseling, they really know each other well. Um, they have a knowledge of each other for sure. And they know each other is like you said, their, their hangups, their idiosyncrasies, you know, they, they, they know each other's flaws, um, the things that just drive each other crazy. Um, they know the way they've hurt each other, but they don't really know the other person deeply. And so, um, when Paul says that in, in Philippians 1, 9, you know, that he's praying for them, that their love would grow in knowledge and discernment and insight. Um, that is part of what we're doing. It, it's, it's part of, I mean, that is what we're doing in marriage counseling, right? right? We're helping people. Um, we're not just confessing. We're not just doing a mediation here or, or some kind of rec, uh, resolution of conflict. We are helping people to know each other in a way that leads to loving and caring for each other compassionately, right? And, and, and helping them to share their hearts. And frankly, people don't come into marriage counseling oftentimes with very much self-awareness and self-understanding. That's part of the problem. And so you're helping them do that with each other right there. And um, the neat thing about praying together is you... When we go to prayer, um, oftentimes a person will share a part of themselves that they, they haven't been able to. You know, as we go into God's presence and we're humbled by a holy, almighty God, 
Um, we, like no other time, we are aware that we stand in, a, in His presence. And you'll see people um, open their hearts um, more vulnerably, more um, exposing parts of themselves that you, you haven't even seen, that they haven't seen. And, and you, you say amen, and, and it's like there's this silence in the room, and you're looking at the husband and a wife, and, and there's just a, like, wow. Like, um, it was really, really intimate. Um, and they, for one reason or, another, reason or another, have not had an intimate marriage. It hasn't been safe, you know, for one reason or another. And um, so even in praying, there's a part of our hearts that we're sharing that is oftentimes hidden, um, that, that grows a bond, you know, of love between a couple. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not using prayer as some kind of marriage technique, some right. kind of gimmick, right. It, it, that's, right? That's just not its purpose. No, but, but that is a natural... I mean, it's like you, 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 instead of seeing each that. other as husband and wife, instead of seeing each other from, you know, Mars or Venus or waffles or noodles or whatever we... You know, how typically we see each other is, is very different. We actually see, go into our father's presence as brother and sister mm. who need uh, a father to help us, right? Yeah. Aaron, will you just will you pray uh, right now for those who are listening? Um, and I'm thinking especially of, of two categories. We pray for uh, those of us listening who are who are married and who have the opportunity to do this, whether we're in formal counseling or not. Uh, and will you pray for counselors uh, for you and for me and those like us who are who are just trying again formally or informally to help people in marriage uh, learn to pray in this sort of Philippians for thankfulness in the midst of conflict kind of way. Would you just pray for... Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you that you are more ready to hear and to be moved by our prayers, to receive them than we are even to offer them to you, to even approach you. Lord, um, I, I do pray for us, Alistair, for me, for any husband or wife that is listening to this, that with everything that we have working against our praying together with our wives or our husbands, would you give us a way simply to, um, to care for each other in this way? Lord, um, would you strengthen and encourage our hearts not that this is something that we do legalistically, but that, that this is something that we can't not do because of the, the odds, because of the challenges we face, because of who we are as your children. How can we not go together um, before you? So help us, Lord. Give us the, the, your mercies um, to do this. And I also pray, Lord, that as we're doing it, might you um, bond us together in a, in a humble, um, before the face of God, love for, for, for each other and for, for you. Lord, for those of us who are counselors or pastors or, or friends, Lord, might we see prayer as a means where you strengthen us, where you give us things that, we, that you don't give outside of the, the means of grace. 
and um, give us more skillfulness and wisdom in how we pray with the, uh, the couples we're encouraging and, and helping. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As always, we like to offer further resources if you're interested in today's podcast topic. Today, our resource is a video called The Essence of Marriage. It's about eight minutes, and we'll post a link to it next to the link for the download for this podcast on our website, which is ccef.org slash podcast. What really struck me about this talk is that he's defining what it means to cling to each other in marriage and why that is a good thing. It's not being clingy. It's not idolatry. I promise you that it will provoke your thinking. As always, if you have suggestions or comments or questions for us, don't hesitate to shoot us an email at podcast at ccef.org. Thanks for listening. Until next time, blessings. Blessings.